Amen. Pastor, I apologize for calling you out like that. I just thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. You know, that's great. That is great. All right. Well, take your Bibles this afternoon, if you would. We're going to open back up to the Gospel of Mark. As we continue with our study through this entire Gospel record. <clears throat> for those who may take notes... Today's message title is, When Worldly Wisdom is Not Enough. When Worldly Wisdom is Not Enough. <clears throat> goes right along with what Pastor's preaching this morning, I think. And I, I find it amazing how God orchestrates completely separate sessions of study, completely separate messages that tie so closely together. Why is that? Because we have one Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I think one of the greatest and most valued blessings of God's creation of mankind is the capacity that he has built into our minds. The distinction from all other living creatures of being able to think and learn and understand and know is unique in that mankind has been given the ability to apply those traits to not only the physical world in which we exist and live and work and play, but also to the abstract, the non-physical, some might say philosophical world. But really we're talking about the spiritual world in which we also exist. Now there is no doubt that there have been some, in fact many, throughout history that have attained to great measures of wisdom and knowledge in many areas or aspects of life, be it physical or not. You may think of names like Solomon. Solomon, who of course asked for wisdom to reign as, as the king of God's people. And Solomon was of course granted such that there was no greater wisdom found in any other before or after him. Others, however, you might think of like Aristotle, Galileo, Leonardo da Vinci, perhaps Sir Isaac Newton, or even the German Einstein. Maybe you think of geniuses and those with incredible mental ascent like, well, Stephen Hawking, to name a few. Now, there have also been some remarkable minds, and, and these have had tremendous impacts over the course of time for mankind. Some have had great impacts. Some have had good impact, or impact for good, maybe I should say. Others, well, their impacts may have been less than truly beneficial, but they have been very impactful nonetheless. Now, surely... There have been many more that we could name, but I especially appreciate a particular quote from Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein once said, quote, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid, end quote. Now, while he was not a Christian, I can appreciate that his statement really does, if you think about it, it really does give deference to God's providence 
that we all have the capacity to know and to believe and to have wisdom, to have God's wisdom, if we will. And as Scripture tells us, we ought to strive for mastery. And in Proverbs, we read, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, God says. So if you've not already gotten there, Mark chapter 12 is our text today. And in this text, we'll find another group that has given themselves to much study in the pursuit of knowledge in religious, or perhaps call it Mosaic or Levitical law. But as Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, these Sadducees are some that, what did Paul write? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They were another sect of religious leadership that lorded over the Jewish people and rejected most anything to do with the supernatural, with heaven or hell, with angels or demons, or especially would have nothing to do with this matter of resurrection, thereby rejecting anything to do with Jesus Christ and what he preached and what he taught. So three brief points today as we look to our message here. The message uh, when worldly wisdom is not enough. Three brief points will be mockery, misunderstanding, and marking the truth. So we'll read this just as we go along here today. But let's, let's pray and ask God for help this, this afternoon. Father God in heaven, as we look to this message today, as we look to your scriptures, oh Lord, please, we're pleading with you to, through the Holy Spirit of God, living and dwelling in and amongst most all of us, if not all. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts to understanding, understanding your word. Father, may it be your words that speak today. May it be your spirit that gives us that understanding that, Lord, we can apply this wisdom, your wisdom, to our lives even today. Oh, may your will be accomplished this afternoon. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start with the mockery. Mockery. Well, mocking, mockery is, of course, you know what mockery is? Mockery is, by definition, the act of deriding and exposing to contempt by mimicking the words or actions of another. Mockery is to ridicule or to have sporting insult with merriment. In other words, taking pleasure in insulting and mocking others. Now with that in mind, let's read the first portion of our text. Mark chapter 12, starting... In verse number 18, the Bible here says, Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and dying left no seed. And the second took her and died, neither left he any seed. And the third likewise. And the seven had her and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. In verse 23, he says, In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. Now that sounds a little bit like what are you going to do about that? Kind of like they're mocking 
well, not only marriage, but they're mocking the doctrine of resurrection. It's clear that these Sadducees were well aware of Jesus' teaching. And it's clear that they had a broad knowledge of the doctrine and beliefs of more than just their own system. The doctrine of resurrection, or the idea that after one dies physically, the spirit lives on somewhere, it was so incredible and unbelievable to them that they resorted to contrive a rather fantastic story about these seven brethren who all lived together and they all had one common wife in succession. And I think that they hoped that because of this fantastic story that they contrived, that they would somehow prove just how foolish the idea of resurrection was. Well, they were apparently trying, as the theologian Matthew Hemery comments, to form an idea of the spiritual world by the tenets of the physical world and their natural senses. See, they were trying, so it seems, to apply what they knew in the physical, the worldly wisdom that they knew, and, well, what was written a long time ago, they tried to apply that into the spiritual world where it really does not apply the same way. Now, for all of their learning and their religious knowledge, they really had no correct knowledge of the principles of the law of God. How can you say that? Well, if the God that they claim to serve is eternal, which, by the way, God is eternal, then those that, as the scriptures say, take the name of the Lord thy God, that is, those who believe the whole of the word and of the nature of God, those must do so completely in vain if their own soul were not eternal as well. So if God is eternal, but once I die, that's it, there's nothing else, then why would there be a God? Why would we have to serve an eternal God? God must not be eternal. You see, there's a conflict in what they were trying to purport. So the doctrine of the Sadducees, well, it was flawed from the start. And yet here they were trying to lord over the temple and the Jewish people. Furthermore, as we look at this, these Sadducees, which the Bible says here in verse number 18, which say there is no resurrection, they have clearly rejected the Old Testament prophets, like Elijah. What did Elijah do? Well, Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 17, when God worked through him to restore the life of a woman's son, they rejected that. Or Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4 when God restored the son of the Shunammite woman. Also, clearly these Sadducees are rejecting Psalms chapter 49 and verse 15 as we have it where it says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me. You see, and there's so many other scriptures that that the prophets Isaiah and, and Ezekiel and Daniel, Hosea and more have recorded as being inspired by God to speak of a resurrection, but they've rejected all of that. You see, their knowledge and their worldly understanding, their worldly wisdom, if you will, was not complete. And so rather than proving the foolishness 
of the resurrection, their wiseness was turned into fanciful and into a fanciful and foolish question in verse 23, as we read it already. Verse 23, he says, In the resurrection, therefore, the Sadducees asked, which, by the way, they don't believe, but in the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, chuckle, chuckle, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. You see, we have to understand that this is the danger in not studying and accepting the whole counsel of the gospel and of the law of God. Just as Pastor was preaching this morning, this is how God interweaves these. If we're going to pick and choose what we like and to reject what we don't like, we are not going to have a viable and complete wisdom. Isaiah tells us in chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Well, then he answers, them that are weaned from the milk. And he goes on later in verse number 10, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You see, we have to study the whole of the council, not swallow it all at once. We can't possibly understand it. But when we come to a particular portion that we don't necessarily understand, it's not for us to just reject. I don't understand that. It must not apply to me, so I'm just going to chuck it. That's not the right thing. Line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here and a little there. Continue to study. So we can't just take the parts that make sense to our feeble and immature minds. We must continue to grow in grace and study all of Scripture to avoid professing wisdom and becoming fools in so doing. You see, the more scripture that we study, and the more scripture that we learn and get the wisdom from and get the understanding of, the more we will know that we are, in fact, not wise as we might think we are. Or that we might be tempted to think that we are. But as we study the scriptures more and more, it will drive us to look more and more to the Lord for answers. God, I don't understand this. Bear it down in prayer. Get the mind of the Lord. Get the ear of God. And ask for the wisdom. Ask for the understanding. Don't just slyly and, and, and simply reject it. Which brings us to the misunderstanding. The Sadducees were mocking the doctrine of resurrection. The, the Sadducees were mocking this idea of even marriage and, and obeying all of the counsel of God. And the Sadducees here are the very reflection of those who pick and choose scripture passages. Oh, wait a minute, I heard something about picking and choosing scripture passages already today. That's how God works. We can't do it. But the Sadducees are the very reflection of those kind that pick and choose the scripture passages that they want to obey. When that happens, and then when some event occurs that is not clearly understood, there's only one response that can come from that. And the Lord can give only one response. We find it in verse 24. Look at your scriptures again. Jesus says in verse 24, Jesus answering and saying unto them, 
Do you not therefore error? Because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. First, Jesus says, you know not the scriptures, because as we mentioned just a moment ago, there are a number of passages in this account that speak of the resurrection, that speak of the eternality of our soul. In fact, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2 says this, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Ezekiel chapter 37 recounts God speaking to the prophet to preach to the valley of dry bones. Do you remember that account? Verse 3 says, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, and I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And then if we were to read through those next several verses, as Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded to do, the bones were gathered together in order. They started shaking on the ground. If I saw a whole bunch of bones shaking on the ground, I might start shaking on the ground too. But the Bible says the bones started shaking. And they started assembling themselves together. And then pretty soon as Ezekiel continued to prophesy, the Bible says that the sinews, that's the muscle, muscle tissue, the sinews came onto them, and the flesh came onto them. He says, but they didn't live yet. However, when we get down to verse 10, oh, this is exciting. Verse 10 says, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. I'm going to tell you right now that if there is no such thing as a resurrection, that whole book is a lie. There is a resurrection. And there is a life after we die from this earth. Where we spend that eternity is up to us. This is also why Jesus said to the Sadducees, neither do they know the power of God. Remember, we just read that in our text just a moment ago. He said, do ye not therefore err, not knowing the scriptures, neither the power of God. Friends, there is too much in the word of God that addresses the most important aspects and parts of life and faith for us to only read a little bit. <laughs> There's too much there for us to only read the parts that are easy to read. Even all of those chronicles and numbers and the begats and the begottens, they're important because they speak of just how intimate God is. Throughout years and throughout families and throughout generations and it shows how God is so close that he knows your name and my name for all of eternity. There's too much in the Word of God for us to only read a little bit. Now, surely, we won't understand it all, and probably not for the first several years, even if we read cover to cover. I hope you're reading your Bible cover to cover, year after year after year after year, because the first several times through it, you're not going to understand it all. That's just fact. However, as God gives understanding through the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we will be able to see and understand just how much God has given us in this printed, preserved word. Now Jesus goes on in verse 25 of our text to clearly explain that in the resurrection, which, which is resurrection into that spiritual realm, 
Things will not be like they were in our original life. See, the things of the world don't necessarily apply to the things of the spiritual world. Look at verse 25. Jesus says, For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Well, now I'm going to ask you, what does that mean? What does it mean to be as the angels which are in heaven? Well, that means I'm going to be dressed in a long white robe. I'm going to have a couple of wings. I'm going to fly wherever. And that's not what it means. If we look at Psalm 103 and verse 20, we see these words. Psalm 103 verse 20 records, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, that hearkening unto the voice of his word. The priority and the focus of the angels in heaven are toward God and toward God alone, not in who they might want to associate with or steer any part of their attention toward other than the Lord. The angels in heaven have one role, to do the Lord's bidding, to praise the Lord, to represent God, not to worry about, well, you know, that angel around the corner over there, I don't like him very much. That's not at all. That's a, that's, that, that's a mankind kind of an emotional thing that, well, it's silly, but that's the way we are. <laughs> We're not going to be that way in heaven. The Bible says that the angels do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. The Apostle Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 and 33, he writes this, But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. How on earth does that have anything to do with being as the angels in heaven? The angels in heaven neither marry nor are given in marriage because their primary focus and their one main goal in their heavenly life, if you want to call it that way, is to please the Lord and to look after the things that belong to the Lord. The angels in heaven have only one calling, and that is to minister unto the Lord and to do his bidding. They were not given charge like mankind was to be a help meet for one another. God did not create them to bring forth godly seed, as he tells us in Malachi, or is it Micah? Malachi. God did not create the angels to bring forth godly seed. That's what, that was a charge he was given to us. But when we don't study the scriptures as the Lord commanded that we do, then we, like the Sadducees, will ever only misunderstand. I pray that when I stand before the beam of seat of Christ, that he doesn't have to take much time at all to correct my misunderstandings. I want to study so that I understand what God has to say and not misunderstand it. Which brings us to the third point today, marking the truth. Marking the truth. One of the greatest realizations that we can have, I believe, is that Jesus always knows whom he is teaching and knows what their needs are. That's one of the reasons that as you give yourself to the reading of the Word of God, there may be one new truth that you are given 
by the way of a fuller understanding. In fact, when you're reading the Word of God, there might be something, oh, I never saw that before. Isn't that a great feeling? Wow, look at that. That's exciting. It's one new truth that God has just given you a fuller understanding of. But you'll not get that if you're not reading and thinking and meditating and studying the Word of God and how it ties to all the other parts of the Word of God. It's just exactly the word that you may need for that day. Anybody ever experienced that? You're reading in the morning, having your devotions, having your prayer time, you read through that, and then you read something, boy, that's interesting, boy, that just stands out to me. And then later on in the day, I remember that from my devotions this morning. That's exactly what I needed today. Or maybe you're feeling a little less than full of energy or less than full of happiness and joy for the day, and you read something in the word, and it just speaks to that need of your heart. And it just lifts your spirits. That's studying the word of God for a purpose. That's the one new truth that God knows that you need for that moment. Or perhaps for a situation that might come up later in that day. In today's study, we see it once again as Jesus has just corrected the misunderstanding of this idea of marriage in the resurrection. Remember though, remember where Jesus is? We said it last week. Jesus here in chapter 12 is in the temple in Jerusalem. And there are a number of people around him. We've already seen a couple of different groups of people that are present at this time. We know that there were Pharisees and Herodians there. We know that there were Sadducees there, as that's what our text said today. We know that there were his disciples and apostles, and likely there were others there that wanted to tag along just to hear what Jesus had to say. There were a number of people present, a number of different thought processes and sects of people that were there, different belief systems that were there present. And so Jesus continues his teaching, and he comes right back to this particular topic that the Sadducees opened up about the resurrection. Read it again with me here in verses 26 and 27. The Bible says, Jesus says, and as touching the dead that they rise. Have ye not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. You see, in speaking to the Sadducees, Jesus goes right back to their own highly valued text in the law of Moses to point out something that they have clearly overlooked. They tried to say, in fact, Moses told us. But Jesus goes right back to that. He doesn't go to anything beyond himself. He doesn't go to anything that wasn't already recorded and well known by the Sadducees. He goes straight back to their own text. He didn't try to use some of the religious philosopher's words when the absolute truth had to be recounted and it had to be referenced. What did Jesus do? He referenced the scriptures. Remember the 40 days in the wilderness being tempted of Satan? What did Jesus say to refute each one of Satan's major temptations? He said, it is written. He used the scriptures. 
And here he says, have you not read in the book of Moses? Which is really just another way of saying, it is written in the scriptures. Friends and Christians, it is this preserved, holy word of God that is the truth upon which we must stand. But we must know what saith the scriptures and not just the parts that we like. <laughs> oh, I like the part that says, God will bless me. That's great. I love that part. I don't like the part that says, God's wrath was poured out. I don't like that part. I'm not going to, uh, I don't uh, no. I don't like the part that says, you know, that if I do something against God, that he's going to have to bring punishment and correction. I don't like that. But I like the part that says, I'll live forever. We can't pick and choose. It is this preserved word, the entire counsel, the whole counsel of the gospel of God that we must understand. Now we certainly learn a great number of things in our lifetime. But the things that we learn in this world primarily are going to be worldly wisdom. But friends, it is simply not enough we need the wisdom of spiritual truth as well. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, well, let's just turn over there real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I just want you to see this from the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just one verse there, I believe. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter, chapter 2 and verse 14, as we have, he reminded them, and by the way, as he reminded the Corinthians, he's reminding us because God has preserved it for us. So he reminds them in verse 14, chapter 2 and verse 14, but the natural man, that is the worldly wisdom of man, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But then he concludes that thought with this statement down in verse number 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. God has given us the capacity in our minds to understand and to learn and to know the very things that Christ taught throughout the word. We have the mind of Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit of God as Christians to guide us and to lead us into all truth. We have, as Christians, been given, been given the ability to understand. But, James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He doesn't chide us for asking for wisdom. He doesn't make fun of us because we don't know something. He says, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Friends and Christians, we can have the wisdom of God. He's given it to us in 66 books in this volume. And it's amazing how it will guide our whole life if we will let it. We don't need to be pharisaical 
We don't need to, need to be sadduceical. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> but that's just, as one young man told me one time, sad, you see. <laughs> Friends, we can have the wisdom of God. He's given it freely and he's preserved it perfectly for us. Pastor, would you close? It is amazing to think that there are religious leaders who really don't know the biblical truth. They'll teach the doctrines of men. They'll teach the tradition of men. But they don't know how to teach the word of God. And these were religious leaders. They've got a book called the Mishnah. And the Manish, the Manish I can't even say the word now. I said it once. The, the Mishnah is a book where many of the rabbis have put their thoughts, collective thoughts, on various portions of scripture. And you may have several hundreds of years of various rabbis who have weighed in on a particular passage. And to not have the wisdom of God to do that is amazing. When it's just right there for us. I had written in the Side notes there to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. And I said the, the new birth is a supernatural act of God's creative power where he imparts spiritual life, the communication of his divine nature itself. Through the work of the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit of God, God wants to make us over into himself. And we've got a decision. We have a choice to make whether we're going to allow God to do that or not. Father, we thank you for this time we could be together. The fellowship has been good. Lord, we thank you for each and every individual who you've brought throughout the day, those online as well. We pray for Jason and Patty as they make their trip home now to Maryland. We think of Josiah and Laney as they will head back tomorrow. Lord, we pray that this will be a, a powerful semester for them, that the spiritual growth will be exponential in their hearts and in their lives as you continue to manifest your will in their lives. We think of faith's prayer requests, Lord. When we approach world events, floods, tornadoes, all sorts of devastating events. And we use the expression that God's trying to get our attention. People get upset. First of all, they get upset with you for allowing it. And Lord, they will mock and they will scoff the believers who believe in it. But Lord, we also believe that things happen that cause people to look in different directions than what they have in the past. We pray for all the individuals that have expressed or saved or unsaved have expressed that God's trying to get their attention and that the ministry there at Camp Canaan will be able to reach out and see many souls come to know you as their own personal Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray that the provisions will be there so that as they reach out to their community where people are, are hurting, 
because of the, the floods and the destruction that they'll be able to have the supplies and the things that are necessary to reach out to meet their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. Lord, we think of Brother Deku in Fiji and uh, his family that is still there. And uh, Lord, while they're home here, give them traveling mercies. Lord, may they be able to raise the additional support that they need to carry on the ministries there on, on Fiji Island. So Lord, we do ask and pray that also that we will realize that we have a great responsibility for the choices that we make. The Lord, just not have some sort of an academic understanding of your word. But Lord, wisdom takes us beyond the academics and takes us to the place of, of uh, application and understanding and the importance of it all. So, Father, continue to enrich our minds and enrich our hearts with your wisdom and with your knowledge. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.